0: We are in part twelve of this series, and uh, this is the longest series I've ever I've ever done, and I'm I'm excited about it today. That we can open up the Gospel of John in chapter six, if you want to open up there. But it's amazing what God does when you start listening and you when you start looking. Have you ever noticed that when you're when you're thankful for the things that are happening around you, even though uh, the world is not perfect, even though we are not perfect, you know that God is still doing something special in the world? Three of you. Good, good. So glad that I came today and prepared this sermon. <laughs> but God's doing some amazing thing things. Uh, Pastor Lindsay was telling me at youth, um, like 10 kids came up or more to the altar just... Wanting more of God. And God transformed some kids' lives. Isn't that a big deal? 30, 34 kids in that portable. Kids, I'm calling them kids. When I was a youth pastor, I called them students. Students. Um, 34 kids and four leaders. There's almost 40 people in that portable. Just If you jump too much, kids and youth leaders, it might fall apart. So just be careful out there, okay? Um, We've had some amazing prayer times um, this week, so don't miss. Uh, They've been very, very special in what God's speaking to us. Last Sunday was amazing. Um, I want to read a text that that we got after church on Sunday. It said, Hi, Pastor Landon. This is so-and-so. I was in church yesterday and was saved. Yeah. You're like... When when the, when the when, I'm going to leave out a couple words, okay? I don't want to offend anybody. When the certain gentleman and this lady laid hands on me, my migraine headache went away immediately that I had had for six months. Please thank them and yourself for connecting me to God yesterday. That's a big deal, isn't it? So you you gotta we gotta look around, we gotta listen. God is still doing things. And so that reminds me, you can now text New Hope Church. All right, so grab your phones. Grab your phones. Everybody grab them. Um, for a long time, we've had some struggles with our phone, like our landline. And does anybody even have a landline anymore? All right. Awesome. Two of us. So, bless you. Um, so, you got to type this into your phone. Come on, people! Come on, let's get your. You want to get your phone out in church? Come on, you got it up there. Now, what you got to do is take a selfie, and text the church, and include your name, um, and because we want to, we want to add you to church so we can connect with you. And if you have a prayer request, if you um, have something going on, you can call or text the church on that number. We'll call or text you back. Uh, and what I'm going to do this week is whoever, whoever texts with that information, a selfie of them and their family, their name, we're going to put your name in a hat and we're going to get you a gift card next Sunday. Does that sound good? That's a little incentive. We want to get to know you more. So um, grab that number. Um, but we're, we're in the book of John and I have been loving it. Imagine we're only in chapter 6 and we're at part 12. So here we go. Uh, but today we're going to, uh, we want to pause a little bit. We want to give some context behind this chapter 6. And so let me pray over the word today, and then we'll jump right in. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we get to come together and receive it. And we pray you bless this time together. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. Has anybody ever heard of George Washington? Alright, about half of you. His impact on the birth of, you, of the United States is seen everywhere. You've, you've probably noticed there's a state named after him. The nation's capital is named after him. 241 townships 26 city cities, four forts, five mountains, three ports, bridges, parks, and at least 12 colleges have been named after George Washington. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? The OG, the original, George Washington. So then imagine combining Washington with like a Billy Graham or the Pope. Mix that all together, and you get what the Jews would call—and not even close—what the Jewish people would would look at Moses like. Okay, are you tracking with me? So we've got. So I'm, I've transitioned now from America to the Israelites and to Moses. Moses was like their hero for these Jewish people. Their hero brought them out of slavery out of Egypt governed them, went up to the mountain and received the Ten Commandments from God. The reverence the Jews show Moses is really the background of chapter 6. I'm going to go a little deep today, so you got to keep with me a little bit here. All right, this is some background, because a lot of times we'll just read through the stories in the Gospels, like, oh, that's cool, Jesus fed the 5,000, awesome. Jesus walked on water, you know, and then but we want to we want to roll all of the first part of chapter six together, and if you missed the feeding of the five thousand, we talked about it on Wednesday night. But you may not know this, but Moses wrote about Jesus in Deuteronomy. Did you know that? It's pretty awesome. So I want to read it to you now Deuteronomy. Uh, 18, just giving us some background. 18, 15 to 19 says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Hareb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see this great fire anymore or we will die. The Lord said to me, verse 17, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. All right. Moses prophesied, were heard from the Lord about Jesus. Pretty special, right? Would it make it more special if it was 1,500 years before Jesus arrived as a baby in a manger? So, from Deuteronomy on, guess what the Jews have been looking for? The prophet that's like Moses, that's going to speak God's Word. They have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all throughout the Old Testament, they hear from Isaiah then, 700 years later. The Messiah is coming. He will, a virgin will give birth to a son, and he'll be the Messiah. All throughout their history, they've been hearing of this Savior. And at the time that Jesus was doing ministry, guess what? The Jews are like, oh, is this the guy who's going to get us out of the control of the Romans? Is this the guy who's going to take over as king of Israel so that we can be free? Man, the air conditioner is working awesome today, isn't it? Can we just give it up for the AC? Woo! Woo! So, number one, and we don't have any points yet. They'll be near the end today. It's a little bit of a different message. So, in Deuteronomy 18, he says this, A prophet like me, two, must listen to him. Three, this is what you asked for. Four, I will raise up a prophet among you, the people of Israel. I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell everything I command him to do. And guess what? Fast forward fifteen hundred years, and now Jesus arrives. And he's now doing it. And we've been talking about it now for, for twelve weeks. This amazing gospel message that we've learned. Right? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John three sixteen and so on and so forth, all the way up till now. And obviously, we know that Jesus is the Savior. Moses was merely a man that God used. But we're going to see some mirror images of the two in what we spoke about even last week in the feeding of the 5,000. Do you want to hear about a few of them? The first one, Jesus is leading crowds like Moses. Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, to freedom. Jesus will now lead people, and they will follow him, because they're like, hey, he gave us bread. We've got a new meal ticket. Maybe he's the guy that's going to get us out of the rule of of the Romans, just like Moses took them out of Egypt. Maybe, just maybe. But obviously we know He came to give freedom from sin and death and hell. Isn't that a great freedom to have? Amen? So we got that. Then we have the second one. The crowds follow Jesus because of the signs he did. The same with Moses. There was ten plagues. On the last plague, they were able to leave. They follow Moses like, okay, I think we believe him now. I think he's right. We should go. And the third one, Jesus and his disciples went on, went up to the mountain with him. Moses and Joshua went up to the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. And the fourth, the events of the bread and the fish, the 5,000 took place during the Passover. When was the first Passover? The day before they left Egypt. And so we start seeing this mirror image of what's going on. And then, obviously, the manna, when they needed food, God gave them their daily bread. And then Jesus shows up and does the miracle of the bread and the fish, the feeding of the 5,000. So the context here in chapter 6 is we're just kind of getting started. And even that we saw that Moses now, Jesus speaks about Moses. Moses right before chapter 6. So look at this. The last two verses of chapter 5 of John, Jesus says this. He says, if you believe Moses. So he's, Jesus knows their idea. Their idea is not, I want to follow Jesus so I can be saved from sin and hell and the grave. This is our way out. And do you ever notice that we're like that a lot of times? That we do things for people so we can get something? Or we follow the Lord, or we go to church because we want something? No, everybody's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not putting my hand up. Jesus says this, "If if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. Verse 47, but since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Jesus is challenging them. He's there on mission, he's there for a specific purpose. And it wasn't to take out the Romans, he didn't come to be the king of Israel then. He, became, he came to be the king of their hearts then. Amen? And He came to be the king of your heart and to lead and guide and direct you in all of your ways. He wants all of those who are listening to understand the mission and the goal And so, Wednesday, we walk through the feeding of the 5,000. Now, we're going to jump to what I wanted to read you today in John 6. So, this is directly after. So, imagine Jesus and His disciples, they're there. They fed 5,000 men. That doesn't include women and children. We talked in the men's group. Like, I was saying, oh, maybe 15,000 people. It could have been up to 50,000 people that were fed so, you've got all of these crowds, and this miracle happened, and all this food just keeps coming, and then they have 12 baskets left over, right? Don't you love God's math? Five plus two equals 5,000, remainder 12. That's some, that's some kingdom math right there, isn't it? You know that God does that in our life too? So, we got this incredible story, and so this is where we pick up here in verse 16 of John 6. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake of Capernaum. For Capernaum, sorry. For now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. All right, so Jesus sends off, and we're not going to go through. All of this story from the other gospel accounts, but we're going to just focus on John. But Jesus sends them off because he wants to go to a hillside and he needs prayer. Do you you ever need time alone? Yes, I do. You're like, oh, Pastor Landon, you're outgoing. You talk to everybody. We all need refreshing, right? And this was time where Jesus goes up to the mountain and he's going to pray and he sends his disciples off. In 18, a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. You know, these disciples would have been used to this place, this lake. They would have fished there. They would have known where, um, where this lake was. It was 500 feet below sea level. And there was hills and mountains around. And so at night, a storm could roll in and it was like a A bowl. And you could get some major, it would almost feel like you're out on the open ocean, how bad the storms could be. We hear about it in Mark 4 that a storm came up. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. I love that story. So a strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. Verse 19, when they had rowed about three or four miles, so that was about halfway across the lake, They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. Wait a second. We just heard about the feeding of the 5,000. Huge miracle. And now he's defying all of the things that we understand. If you saw a man walking toward you, and this wasn't just like 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 a glass lake it was rough and he was walking on the water and look at the disciples and they were frightened but he said to them it is I but who's I <laughs> it is I don't be afraid Then they were willing to take him into the boat. Man, if Jesus was walking out on the water to me, I'd be willing to take him into the boat as well. And immediately, look at this, and I've never really seen this before, and immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, The crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Verse 23, Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And can we all read verse 24 together? Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor His disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum to search of Jesus, in search of Jesus. Who are they searching for? Jesus, the bread man, the fish guy. They might not know yet who Jesus is, but they just know that, oh, that was the guy who fed us like all of us and there was many, there was lots left over so were they searching for Jesus because he was the meal ticket were they searching for Jesus because they loved him and wanted to follow him or they ch- or they wanted to be challenged so for the next few moments I want to focus in on verse 24. And my, my encouragement is for you to go home, read chapter 6, because we're not going to be able to hit every point every week, okay? But once the crowd realized that Jesus nor the disciples were there, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Imagine 5,000 men plus women and children searching For Jesus. Now this we we think of when you think of the word, we forget to imagine the scope of how many people would have been there. Thousands of people were searching and looking for Christ. And Jesus knows what they're searching for. He says it one verse before the before the disciples got in the boat. Look what he says. John 6, 15, Jesus, look, Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And then guess what? He sent the disciples across. This is just before this event happened. Do you believe that Jesus knows everything? Yes, he does, right? So this isn't just Jesus like, oh, I think that they're going to try to make me king. No, he knows their heart. God knows your heart. Do you know that? He knows our intentions. People may not see our intentions. They just may see our good deeds. They just may see the good things that we're doing. But God looks at their heart, the Bible says. And he knows our intentions and why we're doing what we're doing. So it's very important that we say when we're doing something, maybe it's giving, maybe it's helping someone out. Lord, let my intentions be pure. So I have two questions for you today before we close. I don't know who's coming. I have two questions for you today. The first question is this. How do you approach Jesus? Are you searching for Jesus for what you want to do with his power, for your intentions, for you to look good? I know this is challenging today, right? Are you like the Israelites who're like, "Oh, we're gonna make him we're gonna make him king. We're gonna be free from the Romans. How do you approach Jesus Jesus? Are are there any selfish ambitions? Is there any selfish motives? Well, I come to church because in the South it's all about football, fried chicken, and church on Sunday. We could sing a whole country song. We could probably pick out ten of them, right? Listen. I became an American a couple years ago. I said, I get to declare where I'm from, right? Because I'm a new American. I'm Southern. Is that okay? We love you, Northerners. I'm Southern. We love you, Mr. Man from California. We're praying for you. But the Jews wanted Jesus to lead them into victory over the Romans. Jesus wants to lead you into victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave. Amen? And it doesn't always look pretty, and it's not always flashy. It doesn't always look like a big house and two cars and two and a half kids and a boat and all of these things. It may. That would be awesome. But it doesn't always look perfect. They would follow Jesus as king as long as they get it got out of Jesus what they wanted. And maybe sometimes we think like that. You're like, "I don't know." But I, you know how we can know? We can ask God, "Search our heart. What are my intentions? How am I approaching Jesus?" Jesus wants to be Lord, King, and leader of your life. Not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday night, but every day, every morning, every evening. He wants to lead you because you know what? He knows better than us. The Bible says, we say it all the time here His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Man, I've tried to do it my own way before. Have you ever tried to do it your own way? Man, it looks really bad. It looks really messy. It doesn't work out. And then when we flip over to doing it God's way, it just seems to work out. He works it out. So the first question is, how do you approach Jesus? And the second question is this. Will you let Jesus lead you in every area of your life with your finances, with your children, with your relationships, with what you watch, with what you listen to? Will you let him lead you? Well, I've compartmentalized Jesus, I let him control my Sundays. I, I don't let Jesus touch the money. But yeah, I do. I, I let him lead me with my kids. That kids and Sunday, that's what I give Jesus. The rest, that's mine. How often do we come to Jesus telling him what we want to do instead of simply saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And then we sit back and just listen and let him teach us, let him challenge us, let him lead us. Remember the, the, the prayer is, what? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What's that mean? You're giving up your will and you're submitting to God's will. And you're allowing him to lead your life. Some want the kingdom without the king. Some want the liberty without the liberator. Some want the blessings only Jesus gives without the sacrifice, without the obedience, without the life. Somebody's like, oh, just fast. I just want to fast track it, I just want the blessings. The only way to come to Jesus is to lay it all out there for him. To lay it all at his feet. Lay down all of our expectations. We all have so many expectations. We have expectations just how church should be, don't we? Right? We get like robotic. This is how church should be. And then you show up at a church, you're like, oh, that's different. That's okay. Isn't it great that God speaks to us and each church is a little bit different? Every individual is different. God speaks to each person a little bit differently. Jesus wants us to lay down our expectations, our religion, our pride, our agenda, and just follow him and be led by him. What if... A group of believers in Frostproof just said, I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to lay it all down at the altar today. Metaphorically and maybe physically, whichever you want to do. But I'm just going to lay it there and I'm just going to follow Jesus. Wouldn't that be freeing? Right? We make things so complicated, don't we? You know what I've noticed when we do all that, when we lay it all down and we follow the leader and we make him king, we make him liberator, we sacrifice, we're obedient. This is what I have found. Matthew 6 24. Then Jesus says to his disciples Whoever wants to be a di- my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. What? I thought we were getting out of the Rome. I thought we were getting the Romans out of here. Imagine them at the time. They're like, you want us to do what now? The cross, that's the Roman thing. For whoever wants to save their life, Sorry, my, my my notes are. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, to have all the money? You know, at one at one point, Steve Jobs was the richest man on planet Earth. Guess what? He lived and he died, just like everybody else will. Gain the whole world, all of the things that we've always wanted, yet forfeit their soul. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with angels, and then we will then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And according to what you've done it has nothing to do with works. It's that have you put your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Have you declared him Lord of your life? What's that mean? Leader of your life. Because today maybe you're the one leading your life and it's not looking so good. Can we stand before we go today? Today, will you bow your heads for a moment? Will you make a commitment to lay it all down and pick up your cross and follow him and let the Lord lead you and guide you? If that's you today, would you just say, that's me, raise your hand. You may be a Christian 50 years, but you're just saying again today, yes, I will lay it all down. I will pick up my cross, and I will follow him. I'll let him lead, guide, and direct every step. If he says no, then I won't do it. If he says yes, I'll be the first one there. Lord, thank you for those who just have that commitment, who say, I'm going to lay it down at the feet of Jesus all of my expectations, all of my ambition. Everything that I am is yours, Lord. It's all yours. Would you just do that for a moment? I'm just going to give us just a quiet moment with the Lord. Would you speak to him? Would you use your own words? Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate what God's doing in us today? Amen.